0: You're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You'll hear from prop tech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. In each episode, you'll hear about the market opportunities and trends driving the industry forward. Tuck Ness is proudly produced by Finn Ledger in partnership with HW Media, and now your host, Nate Smoyer. Welcome back for another exciting interview today. I'm joined by CEO of a company called Anertiv, Connell McGill. Anertiv, founded in 2009, they've got about 32 employees, but looking to grow by another 20 this year. Are working with commercial owners and operators on expanding their intelligence of what's happening in the building. Now, as this described as this an operational intelligence platform, as they put it, delivering transparency from the boardroom to the boiler room, enabling commercial real estate portfolios to do more with less, decarbonize operations, and ultimately increase asset value. I get into every one of those topics with Connell, as well as we do some forecasting, say like, when will 50% of commercial real estate properties in America be considered smart buildings? We also talk about very specific local issues, such as in New York City, where building owners are going to be mandated to reduce carbon emissions or otherwise face steep fines in the future. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Hey Connell, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Nate, great to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you were able to set aside some time and uh, excited to have you on the show. I know we got sidetracked and almost didn't record talking about Colorado versus South Dakota, but we'll save that for an, another day here. Um, we want to get things started proper, like we always do. So please go ahead, introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are and what you do.
1: Sure. Um, my name is Connell McGill, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Intertif. Um Entertiv is a operational intelligence platform for the commercial real estate industry. It's unique in the sense that it is a connected platform. So we offer um, software modules to streamline workflows ranging from ESG reporting to tenant billing to maintenance and capital planning. And all of our software can be powered up through integrations with connected devices, existing building systems and software to get extremely granular and to get real-time data into the hands of our users. Ultimately, we're trying to um, increase net operating income, asset value, uh, while decarbonizing commercial real estate.
0: I love it. There, there's so much packed in there. Uh, you know What I could do to try and fly you out here so that you could help me install smart lights into my house, <laughs> it, I still haven't figured out that thing. Um, but we'll come back to that. Okay, so let's, let's start big pictureing because you, you named a lot of things right off the jump. and Thanks for going into details on it. If you had to summarize it, you know, one big problem, what's, what is the one big problem that Enerative is solving for?
1: Ultimately, over the years, um, there just has been a lack of transparency into real estate operations, specifically looking at sort of the boardroom to the boiler room. Uh, Technology has been adopted sort of piecemeal, one building at a time. Solutions aren't integrated. There's a lot of manual processes. So given the pressure that the industry is under um, to adapt and to hit carbon reduction goals and streamline their portfolios or reduce costs, it's really hard to do that without a comprehensive operating solution. And we're trying to position um, EnerTiv as a uh, provider who can go deeper and get more granular in operations than anyone else in the market.
0: Okay, and obviously like this is a, th- there's so much fragmentation here, right? I mean, buildings were all, you know, you could have one operator who, who has buildings that spanned five decades. So their needs on those buildings yep. are at different places. And, and one of them, they retrofitted 20 years ago, and then one was retrofitted five years ago. And so then you're trying to create this platform that gives them a view into the operations and the intelligence of those buildings that cover those decades that we just discussed. How do you even start from the position of, you know what, this is the problem I want to solve?
1: Well, that's a a really interesting question. And um, I'll start by addressing your point about sort of the different vintages of real estate assets um, across the United States have actually started out as an electricity monitoring company we wanted to bring radical transparency uh, to equipment level performance and utility consumption and so we had to get really smart about um, not only how to deploy those networks but how to deploy them into assets that you know many of them were from the early 1900s or even older. Um, to get that level of visibility or to provide that level of visibility to our customer base. Uh, obviously we've been on a journey now for over a decade and where we're going is we're trying to provide uh, the same powerful experience at the portfolio scale, regardless of whether we're looking at, you know, a 70 year old class B commercial office building or, a brand new Class A commercial office, um, trophy high-rise, and everything in between. Um, Because what's happened over the years is there's been so many point solutions adopted by customers. They vary by property. And it's really difficult to sort of roll that all up into an interface where asset managers and uh, operators can can make decisions. So we're trying to simplify that for large portfolios um, with a solution that can be applied to older, uh, less instrumented assets, as well as brand new properties that have state-of-the-art building management systems and solutions that um, other prop tech providers are introducing to the market.
0: It it makes a lot of sense. Like, What's one thing that every building is going to need starting from that perspective and then working from that you know from, from that position moving forward obviously electric being a, a basic need and, and very measurable in that let's kind of zoom out just a little bit more because you you use the term operational intelligence uh, and it's something that i picked up that was used throughout a lot of your your website marketing copy first off what is operational intelligence you Can kind of break that down um, and what is it that commercial real estate owners and operators are missing that is putting the need for this in demand?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Operational intelligence is really having sort of um, unprecedented transparency into all the key uh, sort of back of house engineering operations within an asset at the portfolio scale that can impact um, energy consumption, operating costs, and the overall experience that's being provided to both the tenants and the operators themselves. Um, so in this marketplace, you know, we've seen a lot of companies really specialize on benchmarking um, asset level consumption Uh, which we call sort of ESG 1.0. And since our inception, we've always wanted to get more granular. We wanted to know, you know, how much does that chiller or elevator or rooftop air handling unit cost to operate? And when is it running? And how's it performing? And that enables us to do some really exciting stuff like uh, predict uh, equipment failures and notify operators of the failures in real time. Um, But gradually... We realized we needed to have to see more within an asset to really drive down these costs and reduce energy waste. Um, so we we've we've launched modules that help with the tenant billing and invoicing process, which lets us look at tenant level energy consumption. We have tools for the property teams, like the chief engineers and property managers, which let us see how. Um, The operators are running the individual systems. And and then we have tools uh, on the capital planning side, so we can actually see how old the various different pieces of equipment are within the property. By having the real-time data at the system level via submeters or the BMS, visibility into tenant level consumption, staff performance, critical infrastructure, we can make concrete recommendations to our operators at the portfolio scale and work with them through their implementation plan. So really closing the gap on providing data that highlights uh, the problems and inefficiencies across the portfolio. It's like drilling down and seeing what's driving those inefficiencies and fixing them. And so one of the big needs in the market is, some of the largest portfolios are asking us to help them um, sort of track their progress against uh, their carbon reduction goals. Mm-hmm. And so we're helping them with that and then kind of showing them the various different opportunities from the common areas to the tenant spaces uh, and everything in between that's going to get them there um, over time.
0: There's, there's a handful of things in there. I want to get a clarity. When when you say tenant, uh, we're talking commercial tenants, not necessarily, you know, uh, someone living on the, you know, and renting out apartments. But we're talking about like uh, businesses or maybe an office and it's a commercial tenant, correct?
1: Well, yes. Um, so our, our focus is commercial real estate, um, but we do service a lot of different verticals and market segments. Um, we have uh, portfolios in the commercial office space, as well as the multifamily space. We've done some recent work in the hospitality market, uh, data center market, as well as logistics and warehouse space.
0: Got it. And, and you know, it's kind of funny when you're talking about, you know, w- how the elevators are operating. I was just thinking about the last condo building I lived in and it was, you know, it was an ongoing thing of like literally the day I was moving out, I got stuck in the elevator. They said that never happened. And it was one of the new elevators. And sure enough, it's my luck. I literally got stuck between floors, you know, and it makes me honestly think back to, uh, um, the, the, the company that is now suing McDonald's over the uh, ice cream machines API of like when they're sure. up, when they're down. And it it's kind of silly to think about, but it's like, well, of course you'd want to know if your elevators are, are working or not. Because if you're trying to charge top tier rent, which of course you'd want to, it's kind of hard to justify that when the, when the elevators are consistently out. And then, you know, furthermore, is my understanding in the, the little bit I understand about the elevator market, there's only so many elevator technician companies out there that you can actually hire to come in, install, maintain, and even then fix the problems that happen with your elevators. So having that that level of knowledge, you know, or even a proof of record, if you will, of hey, these elevators have been down 30 times in the last five days, like we've got to probably fix something, um, could either be, you know, this is going to save you future expenses, or it even justifies a greater uh price on rent because you're it's a differentiator just the fact that the operators work all the time versus what may be the standard in other places where eh, which one do you want to try left or right we'll see which ones (laughs) get us up properly this this time so well go ahead go ahead
1: yeah i was gonna say uh elevator entrapments and elevator faults in general uh i think are a bigger and more common problem than uh most multifamily operators would like to admit. So in that specific case, um, we monitor tons of elevators on our platform, both in you know, commercial office high rises, as well as in multifamily towers. Uh, and with the submeters that we're deploying into assets, we're actually looking at real time circuit level consumption. Uh, so in many cases, we're notifying our operators via the Entertiv mobile app when we're seeing data that looks abnormal. And so we have algorithms that are trained and they're looking at how the elevators typically perform. And so we've actually been able to flag potential elevator issues to avoid entrapments. In some cases, operators didn't respond to our notifications as quickly as they should have. And two days later, the elevators fail. Wow! Um, So it's a major issue that you can predict uh, looking at granular equipment level data uh, and one of the reasons that it happens is uh, we found that some elevator contractors are not fulfilling um, their co- vendor contracts with uh, real estate portfolios. So they're not spending as much time as needed on the inspection. And, you know, that can lead to just terrible results for The tenants and occupants of these buildings so one thing that we do to help um, operators combat this issue is we actually deploy asset tags which you know is really just a fast a fancy name for qr codes um, on all the critical infrastructure in buildings and so now um, a vp of operations can ask that all of their vendors as well as their own staff sign in and out via the qr code to each system that They've been that they need to maintenance um, as a result of a ticket or a work order. So it's a nice little vendor accountability tie-in that we've added to our maintenance software module.
0: I mean, because unless someone else just gains access to the boiler room and and is feeling froggy and scans a QR code, the the only person that would be scanning that is the person working on it. So that makes a, a ton of sense. And then you get that you could know who that person was or who that tech was and. And there's a lot of them follow ups if you ever needed that was just follow ups. That's very smart. I wanted to jump to um, there was something that jumped out at me right from the the the, the website of EnterTiv. You guys talk about increasing NO, NOI through expense controls and in the ability of even increasing NOI, at 21 cents per square foot. And, and it goes into you know, you know how you, the different ways you do this, but maybe you can walk through a little bit of like how you communicate this and position this so that owner operators understand what you're saying, and and maybe even go to like what is the the aha moment when you're presenting this to your prospective customers that they see the light, if you will.
1: Yeah. So this is this is where getting really granular um, with the data comes into play. Uh, This is sort of where the hard hardware work we did early on in our journey sort of sets us apart from other players in the marketplace. Um, So we have a client success engineering team, and these are mechanical engineers who have building operations experience. And so they'll work hand in hand with property teams and operators that are using the Entertiv mobile app and web app to identify these, these inefficiencies and then provide and implement solutions um, to resolve them and then quantify their impact. So when we look at you know, impact quantification, we're looking at you know, how much energy we're conserving and you know, what the reduction in greenhouse gas emissions is, as well as you know, what's the cost reduction, how is that impacting NOI, and how is that ultimately impacting asset value? In terms of how we get there, um, we have many, many different insight types tied to each of our software modules. But when we're looking at saving energy specifically, we're identifying energy conservation measures. Um, we're primarily looking at building management system data or BMS data. And for us, that's a very simple hardware integration where we can deploy one data logger and then we map, you know thousands of points in some cases back to the software. We can run our algorithms on everything from um, you know at the equipment level from runtime hours to demand um to equipment schedules to equipment statuses. Um, and then additionally going back to the older properties, what we find is even some of the newest buildings, they have gaps in their building management systems, meaning there might be large energy consumers that um, are not on the building management system that should be tracked. And you know a large percentage of building management systems aren't even looking at the kilowatt hour consumption data. In the older buildings, you know the building management system may not exist at all, and that's where we're going in with submeters to get equipment level transparency. In terms of where the savings is coming from, I mean there are we today we have dozens of different Uh, insight types that our software can identify automatically and notify our users of, and our client success team works through these with them. Um, But a lot of it comes from uh, the scheduling of HVAC systems. Um, Even if there's a building management system in place, um, the system tends to degrade by as much as 20% per year. Uh, One or two changes by an operator can have dramatic negative effects on how the system was designed to perform. Uh, We see opportunities to run pumps uh, and other equipment in sort of a lead lag um, operation so that you're not running, you know, equipment simultaneously when it's not needed. Uh, We see, you know, systems running in vacant spaces that can be turned down. We're also, uh, as part of our initial digitization process, we're scanning all of the central plants, we're taking pictures of every critical piece of equipment, we're capturing the nameplate information, we get the age of the equipment, the date installed um, from our portfolios. So beyond just the operational low cost conservation measures that we're implementing, we're also making recommendations on what systems or equipment should be replaced uh, and quantifying the ROI for our clients. And today the company on the platform, we've collected uh, over 17 billion hours of equipment level performance data. Wow. So we can actually see now uh, across all the key equipment groups, which systems are the lowest cost to operate from both an energy as well as a maintenance perspective. And so this, this data is incredibly valuable um, to our portfolios who are developing new assets and trying to determine which new systems to spec in.
0: That, that I was going to say, because with that data set, I mean, and what you guys are able to learn from customer to customer, you know, now every future prospective customer who's either doing a retrofit or replacements or they're looking at how do we get, you know, whether you have exact or similar to, but you have a lot of really highly relevant uh, points of uh, uh, of data that they can reference. They don't have to learn it the hard yeah, our, way. Yeah,
1: our clients benefit so much from one another. Do they pay um, extra for that? They don't. It's just part of the platform. That's I pretty mean, nice. Every single insight that we've developed at the equipment level uh, to optimize operations, we've developed hand-in-hand with a customer, and then we've brought that insight type to the rest of our users. Similarly, every dashboard that we develop in our web app uh, to look at everything from maintenance performance to ESG performance to capital planning these dashboards we have a library of dashboards that users can come in and adopt and we can customize them on their behalf
0: wow.
1: lastly uh, when we look at maintenance rounds inspections preventative maintenance schedules uh, we have dozens of schedules on a per equipment basis so um, when we go into a portfolio that's been operating pen and paper, maybe they haven't been doing preventative maintenance, which, which is really important, by the way, and mm-hmm. I think something like 15 or 20% of portfolios actually do it, um, we can get them going right out of the gate with pre-existing templates to help them maintain their uh, HVAC equipment and um, even to manage other processes like you know, COVID checklists back in the pandemic, as well as just daily inspections to make sure doors are open and plants are watered and the little stuff. So uh, it's been really valuable to our customers and they all benefit from one another.
0: What are some of the hurdles when you're talking with operators about the need to transform their buildings? Right. Cause here's, what, I'm going to I'm going ma- to make up a scenario. You tell me how long sure. it is, but I'm going to make up a scenario <laughs> and let my imagination run wild. Right. Someone out there is like, Hey guys, we need to get those automatic locks where we could, Let people in and we want to control our, uh, and then someone else says, well, I think we can do something that like integrates where they're HVAC Mm -hmm. because we want to control, you know, when no one's in the office, bring down, you know, how much AC we're pumping in or, or decrease how much heat is running. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and then they come to you, they call you up and say, Hey, can you just automate this stuff? Right. And then you actually explain what this stuff is and how this works. And then the full suite. Obviously, you guys go a little bit further beyond just automating heat schedules and and door locks. What are some of the hurdles you have or that you hear most often from operators to genuinely making the leap to transform their building?
1: Yeah, that's, that's, I like that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny that you you provided such a you know, relatively complex example. And, you know, when we initially started engaging with commercial real estate operators, they always wanted to throw us at their most challenging problem, you know, <laughs> portfolio-wide. It could be a 250 asset portfolio, and they were going to just throw us into the trenches in the worst environment possible and say, please help us figure that out. So like one of the, one of the things that we've gotten much better at over the years is saying okay like we can get there and we can help you with that very specific problem in that single building but let's take a look more broadly at some of the challenges and inefficient processes that we could very easily streamline and automate at the portfolio scale and once we have more visibility via our software only modules then we can dig in and start tackling some of those more complex one-off issues that may be causing you a headache in the portfolio. So we found that it's a really great way to build trust. We come in with a and address a very specific pain point at the portfolio scale, and then we gradually introduce additional modules uh, and what we call power-ups, which are uh, data integrations uh, to tackle some of those issues. But I will say in general. Um, today, we're not focused on um, automation and control. The platforms really focused on providing insights and empowering operators to make those changes. One bit of re- resistance that we get is um, asset management teams and owners get sold on shiny software products every single day in this industry. Uh, but a lot of these pilots or initial rollouts are very unsuccessful because they find there's resistance at, the property level and there's sort of a disconnect between the goals of, um, the asset level operators and the portfolio level operators. So I think one thing that we've gotten really good at over the years is putting in the extra time to engage the property teams, which ultimately are going to be the players that drive the results that the portfolio teams, um, are trying to achieve. So, uh, you know, I, get I thought
0: I was actually giving you a simple problem. See, and I think that's probably <laughs> where the disconnect is of like truly, uh, you know, building. Well, that's the thing.
1: When you mentioned, I was like, "Yeah, we could solve it," <laughs> but yeah, you know, we've gotten really good at saying no over the years to solve bigger, broader problems for our portfolios. Can you
0: describe your typical customer? You know, um, are these institutional players, these REITs, these mom and pops, or is it a mix of the of all you know, um, of the above?
1: It's all of the above. Most of our portfolios have at least 50 assets under management. So we see a fair share of uh, investor owners that have third party property managers running the facility or building. Um, you know, the, the usual suspects like CBRE, JLL, CORE, Heinz, et cetera. Um, we deal with uh, large institutional REITs that own and operate. Uh, So they're not outsourcing operations to third-party property managers. Um, And then we work with relatively smaller uh, family-owned portfolios that are owner-operated. So it's a mix. um, And, you know, those are generally like the buckets that uh, our portfolios would fall under today.
0: And is there an asset class that you you find benefits most from, you know, operational intelligence and and what EnerTip does?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think we can bring a lot of value um, across the board to uh, the various different market segments and asset types that I described earlier in our conversation. Uh, Today, we're primarily focused on commercial office and industrial portfolios. And, you know, in each of those um, categories, we're working with three or four of the top 10 largest players globally.
0: Yeah. What a, what a, uh, what a mix right now, because uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm a novice here. I fall the markets, right. But I mean uh, office not being talked about as the hottest class to go after but industrial is on fire. Do you see the sale still same level of interest from those who are operating you know, each of those asset classes or does it kind of tend to, Follow some of the trends of like what's hot to be buying or, or you know uh, investing in.
1: Um, look, obviously offices going through a transformation today, and industrials never been hotter. Um, there's currently 460 million square feet of uh, industrial real estate under development right now uh, in the United States. Um, but honestly, we we really like both markets. Um, commercial office is primed for operational intelligence platforms because they they have to focus on the cost of their operations more so today than they ever have historically. It's also gotten really difficult in a post-pandemic world to hire um, top-notch operators and chief engineers to run these buildings. So we're finding that um, many of these office operators are leaning heavily on software solutions like Entertiv to do more with less, to empower, you know, one chief engineer to weigh in and optimize multiple buildings and not just one, you know, because they happen to be working in the central plant at one location. We, we have um, remote operations and digital twin capabilities, and it's been really cool to see different property teams across different markets um, jump into uh, assets across the platform to look at areas to optimize their operations. So it's no longer you have to be in the building to drive these results and to see what's happening. A lot of that is in software today. And in a sense, we're we're protecting um, the asset on behalf of the landlords because there's an awful lot of turnover. We find a tremendous amount of uh, manual paper-based processes. So we're keenly focused on digitizing as much as possible, simplifying workflows, but also building tools that empower the operator and give them the data needed in the palm of their hands to make better decisions. Um, on the industrial side, it's 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 been really exciting to see. Um, I think industrial investor investors that are uh, backing industrial portfolios as well as commercial portfolios, they've really uh, reset the bar in terms of their expectations around um, ESG and particularly energy consumption and carbon footprints. And that's just that's just not something that many portfolios were looking too closely at, um, you know, two or three years ago. But now, now a lot of the sales calls that we're on today, you know, they start with. ESG, how can you help me reduce costs? How can you help me reduce my carbon footprint? I have some scores. Our buildings are benchmarked, but what do we do next? And so we're perfectly positioned to take them on that journey and to provide unprecedented transparency into the operations and arm them with insights to give them an edge in their marketplace.
0: If you had to just uh, put a percentage on this, this is totally like a this is a Google interview type question. What percent of, <laughs> of those assets, you know, office and industrial have, have actually transformed their buildings and have some level of like smart and operational intelligence system installed?
1: Well, you see a lot more software in office properties and it's generally uh, legacy oper- um, operational software. So I'll give you one example very quickly. Um, One of our large accounts operates roughly 25 million square feet uh, across the US. And after a very successful pilot project with them, we actually uh, issued a survey to all of their property teams. And across um, roughly 35 or 40 assets, uh, there were over 65 unique software solutions many of which were legacy that were being used to address the same four or five um, operational pain points or solutions. And so we were able to provide a path for this portfolio to consolidate these solutions onto the EnerTIV platform, uh, where each of these modules were now integrated, providing really good transparency for the asset management team into what was happening at the property um, that was driving these inefficiencies. And one of the cases was they had a, you know, a 52 Energy Star score, and they had a bunch of different consultants look at the asset, and couldn't figure out you know, what, why the energy costs or energy use intensity in a per square foot basis was so high. Uh, we tapped into the building management system, deployed some of our um, smart meters to look at equipment level performance. And we found that there were six or seven HVAC units that were just running 24 seven. And that just jumps right out in the software, and we're able to make that quick change. It's you know you're saving thousands of dollars per week by just providing that level of transparency.
0: It almost feels like it's something as simple as like, did you check if it's plugged in? <laughs> you know, but but obviously if you're in a large building, that means it, it. You just manually checking for something like that would make sense. But it, obviously, it, it just sounds so much simpler when you when you boil. It it's down. really like,
1: difficult at you know when you're looking at a. 500 to a million square foot asset. You might have a five-person mm-hmm. property team, and there are hundreds, if not thousands, of individual pieces of equipment. Uh, and so, even the best engineers can't possibly track and manage those systems 24/7. And that's where uh, software comes I in. I want to
0: get into one more item about the the business of Enertiv, and then I, you know, I'd be remiss if we miss opportunity to discuss climate change because I know that's something that you've mentioned a few times here, and, and I think that is important to this industry. You know, what is something that you guys have as a business, obviously there are multiple different hurdles here, education, fragmentation of products and solutions, maybe legacy knowledge. And then of course the building yeah. assets themselves, overcoming all that, what's been helping drive the growth at Enerative?
1: Well, one of the things that really helped us, and uh, we started putting together this plan uh, back in March, 2020. We realized that it was going to become increasingly difficult for some period of time to um, deploy connected devices to assets. Um, you know, a lot of clients were really protective of their properties. Their own engineers weren't even going on site, and the last thing they needed was a vendor to show up and start, you know, installing smart meters and data mm-hmm. loggers and networking equipment. So, over you know roughly twenty-four month period we completely flipped our business model and go to market strategy upside down. And we transformed from the sort of hardware first one size fits all software platform to a modularized, um, platform with different software solutions tied to some of the key pain points that we hear over and over again from our operators that could over time be enhanced by deploying connected devices. And so that really helped us scale because suddenly we went from answering, every, trying to answer every question uh, you know, an operations team had to focusing on one very specific pain point or gap uh, in their technology stack and then building from there. Um, simultaneously, we shifted from a a pricing model where there's a one-time CapEx cost for the hardware and the installation, and then you'd pay a software subscription for our tools and services. Today, it's a pure SaaS model, and that's what's really been driving our growth and enabling us to scale so rapidly across our client portfolios.
0: Yeah, I think the trend of simplifying a sales process, especially in and around real estate, where a lot of us are bombarded with, you know, the demo I understand being necessary, but just exhaustively long presentations and back and forths and drawn out. It just, nobody wants to go through it. And even if that's not even the pain point they're originally trying to solve, but if you can solve the pain in buying, um, you know it can, time and time again just shows that companies that are able to do that really well uh, are able to also show a lot of growth as a result of that.
1: yeah we, we know a lot we know a lot of this pain is being experienced across most real estate portfolios. We try like, even that first call to figure out like what is most painful but then we have plenty of data points now where different customers have, you know, gone from one module at a couple of cents per square foot and then adopted several other solutions that we enable on our platform. Um, And they're paying us over 15 plus cents per square foot once they've adopted these various different tools.
0: I I love the shift to the climate change here. So, you know, something that I think is getting a lot more discussion. Obviously, in some places, regulations is going to continue to drive demand and as well as, you know, interest, Mm -hmm. New York City being a little bit, uh, further progressive than most American cities, on that they have some pretty substantial, uh, I believe, uh, penalties uh, for for large commercial buildings on the horizon here, forcing the need for all kinds of carbon captures and regulators and you know monitoring tools. Again, it kind of spurred a whole new market of fragmented, broken one-off solutions. So I'd love to hear how Enertiv is approaching the the need for. Uh, monitoring as well as capturing carbon, what you see your your role in that and how big is this opportunity from a business perspective, not just for the software, but for owner-operators who get it right?
1: Um, well, you can do the math. I think you're referring to Local Law 97, uh, which applies to the 50,000 largest buildings in New York City. Um, today, we're you know, charging roughly on average per year per building for our services. So it's a pretty big opportunity. Um, And basically (laughs) local law 97 um, states that these large buildings have to reduce their carbon emissions by 40% by 2030, which is a pretty lofty goal if you think about it, and 80% by 2050, and owners who are not compliant with 97 are going to be subject to fines, um, which could be as much as, you know, multi-million dollar fines. So this has really woken up uh, New York City landlords. This is going to be extremely challenging to hit these goals, and they're going to need to adopt technologies like iterative to get there. Um, what, you, what positions us uniquely here is you know, in addition to looking at total building consumption, again, we're able to get a lot more granular. And there's sort of two big areas to focus on to optimize um, consumption in these assets. So you have the common areas, and that's all your critical uh, equipment infrastructure that the landlord typically um, operates and maintains. And, you know, rule of thumb is that's going to be roughly – 20 to 30% of the total annual energy consumption and asset. Um, but, hmm. you know, anywhere from 70 to 80% of the utility usage or electricity usage uh, is being consumed by the tenants. And so, you know, we're able to go in, monitor that critical equipment in the common areas via smart meters or the building management system, as well as... Um, capture the tenant submetering data via our mobile app or through direct integration so we can see the full picture. We can see tenant by tenant consumption as well as the consumption of all the critical equipment. And that's the data that these landlords are going to be needing to look very carefully at in order to hit these goals. So a lot of new partners in New York that we're kind of helping them with this journey um, but, you know, it goes back to Peter Drucker's, you can't manage what you don't measure. And it all starts with data and transparency. And, you know, um, having a decade of experience in how to optimize these systems and assets is the experience that uh, these, uh, these operators and owners are leaning heavily on today.
0: It does sound like you guys are pretty well positioned to be a solution that will actually be able to help a lot of these building owners figure out what they're going to do here, how they're going to prove they made any gains or not what those gains were i mean someone's gonna have to validate it somewhere along the way so uh, and that's a lot of buildings um let's hope the permits department is also making some strides for efficiencies <laughs> <laughs> seriously gonna have to get started on that one sooner than not well we're gonna go ahead and shift here to uh bottom of the show segments uh to my favorite which is called for the future this is when I get to ask each guest who comes in the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Connor, are you ready to play?
1: <laughs> I think so, let's do it. Cool. First Can one I here. call a friend on any of these, or how does this work? <laughs> if you have
0: to, yeah, if you have to. Yeah, I'm
1: kidding. I'm
0: Question kidding. number one, what does enerative look like one year from now?
1: We have big plans on our product roadmap, so uh, we expect to continue to launch um, easy to use, highly scalable, software modules that work um, across our mobile and web platform. We're really letting our customer base guide us in terms of the key operations that happen on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis that we can simplify and digitize. Uh, Currently, we're launching roughly one new module um, every six months. And to date, we're up to four modules in market. So a lot of exciting stuff on the product side. We've also expanded our library of environmental sensor power-ups or integrations. So we're starting to do some really cool stuff around people counting and occupancy in common areas, using that data to optimize um, building systems. Uh, We've done a lot of work in the indoor air quality realm and some of our bread and butter solutions look at indoor temperature, as well as um, moisture and leak-prone areas to detect leaks and notify operators in real time. So really exciting stuff on the product side. Um, we've done a, a tremendous amount of work uh, to to enable our team to deliver these solutions at scale. We have some national partnerships now which manage our um, digitization, implementation and maintenance process. So it's really exciting to see that we're now able to you know, tackle 200 Asset portfolios uh, very quickly, regardless of where the assets are located, by leveraging these third-party resources. Uh, so that's that's exciting. Uh, we're also building out uh, the team. We're looking to uh, bring on board um, an additional 20 people, uh, and that and they will be sort of spread across across our key teams, being client success, product, uh, sales, marketing, and operations. So it's going to enable us to continue pushing on our NPS scores and cementing our position as the leading operational intelligence platform in the commercial real estate market.
0: It's awesome. What an exciting uh, year ahead of you. Question number two, this is the one you might need to phone a friend for because um, it's, it's a hard one. What year will it oh, be gosh. when 50% of commercial real estate, just in the U.S., just, we'll just, just the U.S., will make it easy, commercial real estate buildings will be considered
1: smart buildings will be considered smart buildings. Yes. I'll set the bar low there so that we can get into double digits. Um, and just, you know, define a smart building in this case, by having adopted, you know, um, at least one software product to optimize you know some aspect of their operations. I think it's a long ways out. Yeah. You know, we're seeing adoption really accelerate. Um, you know this focus on energy and reducing consumption and carbon footprints is uh, is creating a lot of opportunities and yeah, you know, lo- local laws like uh, 97 in New York are forcing real estate operators to make moves and act. But it's a very very big market. Um, so uh, 50% smart. I hope we're there by. 2035, but I think that that would be an ambitious goal.
0: Hey, I think that's yeah, we, we we put a, a number to it. If we if we get there any sooner, we beat what we thought was possible. And if we don't, well, we knew it was going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Question number three: What's one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away?
1: Yeah, look, I think um, I think a lot of operators are going to continue to fall back on the status quo. Um, because that's what's familiar and that's what's worked for many, many years. Um, one of the other challenges I see is technology decisions are still being made at the property level or the asset level and not the portfolio level. So this is just making things way more complex for portfolio level managers um, today and longer term. So. I wish there was more alignment between property teams and portfolio managers around their technology stack and how those solutions work together. Um, you know, definitely from a back of house perspective when we're looking at operational platforms like Entertiv, but also how our, how platforms like ours tie into uh, other systems that are being adopted today in the market, like you know everything from tenant apps to you know accounting software and property management software. So you really need to have a clear portfolio-level strategy um, for these tools to really be effective and to help operators and owners get to their ultimate goals, whether that's around cost savings or energy savings or both.
0: All right. And the last one for, for the future, what's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result in tech advances?
1: I mean, I it's always shocking to see just how many manual processes still exist uh, when it comes to running these assets and we've seen so many clipboards and number two pencils uh, since we entered this market in early 2017 and that's just gotta go it's dangerous the turnover of engineering talent is high Um, the stakes are much higher when it comes to running these properties investors and tenants have greater and greater demands so digitization is part of the answer, retaining best practices and knowledge and and having that available on a single platform. So I think that's one aspect of real estate operations that has just got to go. And um, the the new technologies as well as older technologies in market um, are helping real estate operators get there.
0: All right, Connell, we're going to move on to the last three. These questions are about you, so our listeners get to know you better. Uh, The first one here, what are you reading?
1: (laughs) That is a really good question. Um, Let's just say the first quarter of this year has been pretty intense. Um, I generally read nonfiction business books, uh, but right now I'm reading a book called Chasing Rumor. Which you might actually find interesting. Uh, It's about uh, a young man who quits his job and goes to Patagonia for a year on a fly fish, a solo fly fishing trip, where he's chasing the the, uh, 20 pound brown trout. And so it kind of walks you through his journey and the challenges um, to land uh, one of these fish. But what you find is ultimately it's it's not so much about catching the fish itself. Um, it's more about the journey and, you know, his, his experiences from river to river in Patagonia. So it's a fun read. Uh, I've mostly been reading it on weekends and I'm almost done, but I recommend it as a, as a good adventure story.
0: That sounds interesting. I, I, don't, I don't delve into the fiction very often. I honestly couldn't tell you the last one I read, but uh, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, question two, who are you learning from?
1: Um, I've been learning an awful lot from a couple of my key advisors and board directors lately. Um, I studied entrepreneurship at Babson. I took a ton of business classes. I've read, uh, a lot of business books, but nothing can actually prepare you for, um, really scaling a business. There's just always something new. So I've been leaning very heavily on, um, some of the more senior advisors that I have in my network, uh, mm-hmm. to figure these things out, um, as we move along. So, uh, it's, yeah, we've been at this for over a decade. Every year has just been completely different. My, my job is always transforming and that's, that's what keeps it interesting. Um, that's what provides continuous learning experiences and that's what makes it fun. So, yeah. um, you know, I try to do that to other entrepreneurs in my network where you know, young people are starting a business for the very first time and they have no idea what they're getting into. And it's amazing how much you can help them by just providing you know, um, a bit of experience and advice uh, based on what we've encountered in our own journeys.
0: Totally. Last one here, what inspires you?
1: you know, I've always been inspired by just how profound an impact you can have if you really stay focused on solving very hard problems. So when we launched Enterative, there were so many opportunities to build software and market, but it was important to us to do something that, to build a company that could be very profitable and valuable, but also um, would have a profound impact on, the community, society and the environment. So, you know, it's, it's almost like we've been waiting for a decade for the majority of this industry to, to wake up to the costs and the severity of climate change. And it's good to see that suddenly a light switch has gone off and this problem is in focus. So I feel like we've been sort of training for this moment for a long time and now it's here and uh, it's time for us to make our mark. So that's what inspires me. And it's, it's amazing to see what, how, how much of an impact small teams can have in any industry, um, especially commercial real estate in our case. Yeah.
0: Connell, this has been really great. Thank you so much for spending so much time uh, with me here on TechNest and uh, sharing so much about Enerative and your vision and how you guys are helping operators you know, across the country. Um, before we close out the show, for those who want to get in touch with you, they want to learn more about Entertiv, where do they go? How do they do that?
1: Um, they can email me at of Um And enterative.com is our website. Um, we put a lot of great content uh, out on a weekly basis, everything ranging from blogs, videos, and newsletters. And we try to go deep on topics where... You know, we think we have unique experience that will help um, you know clients as well as um, people that are just trying to get smart about smart buildings and operational intelligence technologies. So those would be the two best sources uh, today. And yeah, I'd welcome any inbounds um, people who are listening to this podcast. Uh, i be happy to tell them more about Enertiv and our services, and uh, walk them through some case studies where we've delivered. Real results to some of the leading portfolios in America.
0: I appreciate it so much. Give me a heads up when you're in the neighborhood, so you can swing by and help me solve all of my <laughs> smart home lighting love challenges that I've. <laughs> I'd love to. But uh, until then, you know, we'll catch you later.
1: Great. Thanks, Nate.
0: Well, thanks for listening to the tech nest podcast you can always get future episodes delivered to you directly by subscribing to the podcast in your favorite app store you can also join the newsletter head over to technest.io or finledger.com newsletters to get all future episodes updates and more sent to you right into your inbox last but not least we appreciate your support please go ahead and give us a rating and review in your app store this helps other discover the podcast and know that it's a great, worthy listen. We'll see you next week.